Nerds Genius episode 31. Let's get ready to rumble. In this episode, Bruce Bogue III is joined with your moderator Chris and Jared Hunnefeld to talk all about professional wrestling. It's a good one. Hey, did you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs and we truly appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome to the Inverse Genius Podcast, the podcast where uh, voices that you know tell you about things we are passionate about that are not games. I'm your moderator, Bruce. Joining me on the show, and this feels real good but real weird to say, is none other than well-esteemed former uh, podcaster, your moderator, Chris. Hi! How you doing, Bruce? Not bad. How are you? Good, good. It is a pleasure to be uh, moderated for a change. I, I, and you know, it's, I've said it many times to anybody who will listen. Certainly, uh, one of the things that made me get into podcasting. Uh, was the work that you did. So it feels good. It just feels weird to be the moderator and introduce the moderator. I feel like it's like one of those uh, like uh, Sub-Zero versus Sub-Zero battles. Right, and uh, one of us is like slightly darker blue than the other. Yes. Because this is Mortal Kombat 1. <laughs> when we didn't do like any major palette swaps, it was just like a shade different. Yeah, because they were like, well, who in the world would play the exact same character? No one's going to do that. Oh, we made 14 characters. They're going to pick another one. Right, so you'll play one character for like 90 weeks, and uh, then you'll get bored with that and move on. So the game will last like 35 years or so. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, the second person I want to introduce, once again, uh, part of a show you're probably going to know if you know who Chris is. If you don't, I don't know why you're here. Uh, I'd like to introduce professional wrestling expert, Jared Hunnefeld. Why, hello. It's, it hey. is so good to be back behind a microphone and... I think the first time in probably a year. <laughs> oh my word! Yeah, it's it's been a long, long hiatus. We'll say I got the dreaded neck fusion podcast surgery and had to take the time off. <laughs> <laughs> and just a quick note for those of you: if you haven't looked at any of the notes and you just blindly took this show, the thing we are going to be talking about is in fact professional wrestling. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I don't I think it I don't think I've actually been on any podcast aside from Flip the Table to actually talk about wrestling and not, you know, wrestling mixed in with a bunch of cheesy, weird, and obscure board games. I know, right? It's like you get to just really leverage your expertise for once and not just try to shoehorn it in. Ah, uh, I know. <laughs> So what I'm going to do here is I'm since this is in fact your expertise, I'm going to let you start out with the first question that I think we need to cover on something like this. Because if you know nothing about pro wrestling, we want to help you as best we can. Uh, Jared, as how would you describe pro wrestling? What is pro wrestling? All right. So the way I usually describe it to people is pro wrestling is physical theater. It's, it's the best way to describe it. You've got uh, individuals who take on roles and they tell stories um, through physical movement, a.k.a. pretend fighting. Uh, and it's not even that. It's just you know the way they, they look, their costumes, their mannerisms, and, of course, you know the, the uh, 
these stories need to be told in a, uh, a certain way. Um, so they introduced a suedo sport of not, you know, Greco Roman wrestling, but wrestling, uh, with grappling and high flying and all those different things. So, uh, yeah, just best way to say it is just, it's physical theater that, um, has more than, uh, uh than a fourth wall. Fair, fair, fair. I think I'm going to point a couple things out that I just, cause I want to jump into a little bit here too, uh, is that there are multiple ways that this particular theater style works. Like one is literally like monologuing and dialoguing. And that is one thing you can do where you talk, where you, what they call cut a promo, which is sort of the thing you always see. You will know this moment um, as much as he is a trash person, you have all seen the Hulk Hogan, yeah, brother, yeah, mean Gene. Uh, and then you talk about the city you're headed to and the person you're going to crush. Uh, there is also the physical movement in the ring, which is exactly what you were talking about. And then there's a, the other thing you mentioned, which is sort of just the, the theater of the presentation style. It almost becomes like a drag show at that point where it's all about like costuming and music and lights and pyro. And there's just this other dimension that like just doesn't exist in these other worlds. Yeah. It- yeah and I think there's one more thing we need to, to talk about too. And that's that when you go to a show, like at the theater, if you go to a play, if you go to a movie, the people in the performance are performing. When you go to a professional wrestling show, Everybody in the room, the crowd including, is performing. They are role-playing. They are buying into this shared fiction. Um, so when the bad guys do bad things, the crowd boos. When the good guys do good things, the crowd cheers. Uh, but they sort of share in the role-playing of this. It is very, very participatory in nature. And it almost seems if you watch enough of it, or if you go to a show and just kind of wait to experience it, it almost has what sort of other things would call a shadow script. Like, if you go to see Rocky Horror, they say, hey, when this moment comes, that's when you throw toast. And when this moment comes, that's when this happens. And wrestling has a very much the same sort of set of practices and traditions if you know what you're looking for. So it's sort of if the the good guy is in trouble, it is time for us to clap potentially in unison to sort of magic fairy dust bring them back to life. Yeah, um, and, and um, you know, the there's actually something interesting happening right now with pro wrestling where you have fans that uh, – because for many years – it was uh, the the origin of it is it was very uh, uh, in circuses with carnies. They they would you know have someone wrestle and they would have marks, meaning people in the crowd that were in on it, but no one else was. So people thought they were watching something real, and this person was really getting beat up. Um, and that was almost the same until like the 1980s, maybe even some of the 1990s. And then after that point, that's where when people started getting in on. Oh, this is something uh, that is planned ahead of time. Um, I don't really want to say staged because stage I I always feel means fake. Um, when it's not really fake, it's um, planned. And uh, now the thing is, people know that it's planned. So you've got some people that want uh, want to just kind of take control uh, from the fans' perspective. It's almost like the fans sometimes want to take control of the show. 
and you don't see that anywhere else. Um, right. I mean, the fans kind of entertaining themselves sometimes. And well, I mean, can you imagine? take a franchise like star Wars, where if there were so many fans that were like, we don't want the the main character to be a female. So we're not going to buy tickets. And, you know, and then they're like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to change the, the, the main character to be 86, the alien robot. Uh, Cause that's what the fans want. No, you <laughs> won't see that. The, the director would be like, this is the story you're still going to spend a bunch of money to, to, to watch this. Um, but this is the course we're going to go on. Whereas wrestling, they could see what, see it live happening right in the moment. Be like, Oh, this isn't working. Uh, you're a bad guy now. And you're the good guy now. Uh, switch, switcheroo. I also think like if you play with role players that have decided that playing a role playing game is not about a, a shared fiction and it's about beating the DM, I think you see this where you're like, oh, you wanted this to be about intrigue. I have decided that it will not be, and I will show you how I'm going to completely unseat this. <laughs> and then the DM is left going like, okay, so am I going to fight you over this, or am I going to try and use this as a chance to kind of improv my way through? And I feel like that's a lot of what's sort of the, what's called like the creative department of wrestling. The people who sort of write the comic book that is wrestling often have to deal with. Because sometimes, unlike a comic book, some of your characters just get hurt real bad and the, you no longer have them available. Or you find that the crowd has decided that they're going to be a petulant role player and they are not going to go with the story. And you need to decide, am I going to force my story on them or am I just going to bend to their whims? Yeah, and I think it's it's worth noting too that the the sort of really petulant crowds you you see that kind of in the in the biggest league of them all in WWE. That's where I think you see it most often. I think in the smaller houses uh, where it's a little bit more progressive, uh, fans are a little more willing to give themselves to that fiction and to sort of play along with the story because they're engaged by it, right? Um, oh, absolutely. So so you know you see organizations like uh, Chikara Pro Wrestling. Um, who uh, had one of the very first uh, world champions uh, that was a woman. Um, and not a women's champion. I mean, the champion of their entire organization. Uh, Kimberly uh, was their champion for a while. Um, whereas WWE, they'll still shy from that because they're afraid of that uh, audience reaction and they're afraid they're going to lose money. Yeah, and I think part of it is having been both in those big crowds and the, some of the really, really small ones, specifically with Chikara, as a matter of fact, is in the big crowds, there seems to be this desire to just feel heard. You know you're in a corporate billion-dollar enterprise, and you're like, no, I'm just going to mess with you. Whereas if you're in somewhere like Chikara, it can sometimes be, and this is not a joke, like 20 people in a room. Sometimes there are more people performing than there are watching. So at that point, you've bought that ticket. You've committed to that show. Your money is gone. So you're usually not going to say, you know what? There's only 20 of us here. And that guy right there, I can almost touch him so I know he can hear me. How about I make his job real tough? Uh, and you don't normally <laughs> see that there. Because like at the point you're in a thing that 20 people are in, you're like, oh, it's just us. Let's get real committed to this, y'all, because we are here now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a numbers game. It's when you've got literally 20 people that are, you know, seeing something live, they get that one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one with, with the performers. And it's 
it's very hard to explain, but it's almost like magic. It's just, you get just sucked right into it because you feel like you are a part of the show. You and these 20 other people, you know, at a pizzeria in the back are just so into this. Whereas if you go to a WWE event with thousands of other people, you know, it's just, you're part of this, you know, in going back to WWE terms, you're part of the universe versus part of the 20 guys that paid five bucks to uh, watch guys wrestle in the back of a pizzeria. I I think it becomes very much the difference between like um, just being on the internet where you're just like a faceless name. You're just like wrestling fan 421. So you feel like you're free to do whatever you want to that you don't get like in the back of a pizzeria. Right. Right. I only keep bringing up the pizzeria because uh, the local promotion for us, they wrestle in the back of a pizzeria. So that's that's right. So that's true that you see you can find wrestling anywhere. Anywhere. In fact, the uh, the space that they wrestle in, uh, I went to a couple of shows there, and if somebody gets knocked off the apron, they will hit a wall before they hit the floor. The, oh, wow. the space is so small that they cannot climb all the way to the top. They go to the second rope at most, because otherwise they're going to bump their head on the way down. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. But that crowd <laughs> is into it. They are bought in to that show. Uh, there is, there's an intense loyalty there. Um, and sometimes you do see that in WWE, like when uh, when Becky Lynch uh, won the world championship, that storyline, that level of engagement, uh, she just had the world wrapped around her finger, right? Um, you know, you when it works in WWE, it works really, really well. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Oh, no doubt about it. Like, I remember, and this is the story I always tell people about that moment, is when Hulk Hogan made one of his comebacks. Once again, I cannot state it enough. Garbage, horrible person. But <laughs> oh, he's, yeah. he's, 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 a, a, I, he's a goblin. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. And I want that noted that I feel that way. However, I am going to use him in stories because he's in, sort of an easy touch point that mm-hmm. we all understand. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I saw one of his comebacks in Philadelphia. And I've never been in a big arena that felt closer in my life than when Hulk Hogan came out. It felt like everybody, there was so much energy and so many people just standing, trying to just get as close to the center of that room, that gigantic room where the Philadelphia 76ers play, that you felt like you could touch the person on the other side of the arena. Because, you know, when 14,000 people decide they're going to kind of push their energy to the center, it is really a super unique thing to be a part of. And you're right, when it works, it really works so let me step into a question because we've kind of just sort of uh emoted at this topic uh specifically i'm gonna start with you chris sure. uh, why do you like pro wrestling like what has drawn you to pro wrestling whether it's you know when you were young kind of the thing that got you in or just sort of why you keep watching sure uh, well let's talk about it a little bit i uh started watching wrestling seriously uh, probably around 1994, 1995. Before that, um, the only exposure I really had to pro wrestling was uh, we lived in a very small town. We did not have cable television. We would occasionally rent a VHS of a pay-per-view from a year and a half ago as they would come <laughs> out. And and that felt like a big fight atmosphere because remember, I'm like seven, right? So my <laughs> suspension of disbelief is in a different place than it is years and years later. It feels like a real big important thing. And so, uh, of course, Hulk Hogan was the biggest star in the world to me at, at that time. Uh, he was the biggest star in the world, period. Um, but then we, uh, eighth grade, 
Uh, we moved to Connecticut for a year, and because you cannot get television in Connecticut without cable television at that time, um, we have cable, which means we now have access to way more professional wrestling. So at this time, it's Monday Night Raw on Mondays, two hours, which is okay. insane to think about. Um, WCW Saturday Night, WCW Main Event the night after, and then there was like two hour-long shows on Thursday and Friday night in syndication. So my dad and I started watching something like eight hours of wrestling a week, which is now small ball in 2019. <laughs> like, you're barely scratching the surface watching that much wrestling. But uh, we started watching it all the time, and I started getting pulled in by this sort of new generation era. Those are the characters that I really started to connect with, and I was still... Even though I knew it was scripted at this time and I'd sort of lost all illusions about that, I was still able to buy into it just enough that characters like Bret Hart really engaged with me and I could get excited about the one, two, three kid. And it was just kind of a right place, right time for me. And then I became a teenager. I got a little grumpier and angrier and started listening to darker music and wrestling changed with me, right? So it was just perfect timing. Now you've got the Attitude Era where everything is... They're, they're sort of trying to recapture what used to be that suspension of disbelief when you were seven years old because you didn't know better to a different kind of suspension of disbelief where people are doing really violent things and putting their bodies on the line. And that's how they blurred that line at that time. So, of course, it engages me then kind of in a similar way it did when I was seven. Um, and then in college, now I've been watching wrestling for half my life. So now I'm into it, right? If you get into something like professional wrestling when you're a kid, you're probably going to stick with it for a while. Um, and so I started watching with my college buddies and that's when ironic wrestling watching happened for a while. <laughs> and, uh, so we just kind of goof on it every Monday night and order pizza. And, uh, and then it probably wasn't until I discovered Chikara wrestling years later when I went to that show with Jared Hunnefeld, uh, who is sitting with us right now in the same room, <laughs> I swear. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, hey, definitely. I'm just gonna, I'm just um, gonna touch him right on the leg right now, which I'm definitely oh, doing. ow, ow, ow. Rope break. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, <laughs> but that show, uh, which I believe, if I'm remembering, it was called The Great Escape, kind of yes. recaptured my like genuine love for professional wrestling and what it could be. Um, and that's that's kind of the place I'm in with it today. And how about you, Jared? Um, I don't think I've actually told this story. I don't even think Chris knows this story. I don't. Um, nice. So you've you will hear it here first. My origin story. Uh, <laughs> so back in eighth grade, um, I was on the cross country team. Uh, I needed to do something in between sports, so instead of playing soccer, I decided to do cross country. Um, it was a bunch of preppy, kind of the popular kids, quote unquote. Um, so I was really trying to fit in, and but there was this one outsider like me there. Uh, his name was Chad. And I remember we were just hanging out one day and he started talking about uh, pro wrestling and how cool it was. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And I, you know, I, I really wanted to, you know, get to know him. So I, I ended up watching uh, Monday Night Raw that next Monday. Uh, and of all Raws, it was the episode where Mankind, Mick Foley, first introduced Mr. Socko. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> And that moment, 
uh, really stuck with me. I was like, wow, th- I, I kind of got it right away that, yeah, you know, I people were saying, you know, it's fake, it's phony, blah, blah, blah. But I got it right then and there that, oh my gosh, this is storytelling and this is a riot. This can be really funny when it's done right. So, you know, I've always kind of gone towards that realm of comedy wrestling that's always stuck with me because of watching you know the it was mr mcmahon stuck in the hospital after austin beat him up and uh, mankind the lovable non-villain trying to make his boss with happy a with, face with a leather face mask <laughs> and a and a sock that he took out of uh, off out of his pants with a little smiley face on it um i mean it was uh, that that got me hooked then uh, so then I started watching wrestling a bit more and, uh, junior year of high school, um, I was walking down, uh, my road to my house and there was a bunch of music going and, um, a bunch of lights. So, um, I saw one of my friends in someone's backyard. So I went behind there and there were four mattresses set on the ground. There was, um, two giant speakers playing and there was almost like a rampway with uh, curtains back. And I had walked into our local backyard wrestling federation, uh, <laughs> wow. just completely out of the blue. And so I'm watching these guys do all these moves and I'm like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. But the, it was funny. These were all like what I would call the quote unquote tough kids or the kids that, you know, I didn't really want to associate with because, you know, I was afraid I'd get beaten up or that, you know, they were they were just the snarky people that I, I just didn't associate with. But then I got to know them and like, you know, we all had the same interests. So I ended up joining that backyard federation and making all these friends that I've, I'm still friends with to these this day and some that are even, you know, pro wrestlers in the greater area. Uh, in fact, one of them will kill me if he finds out about this, but one, one of the guys that wrestled with us, uh, he sometimes wrestles as Skeletor in that big cosplay wrestling promotion in Florida. Oh, wow. Nice. So I know Skeletor. He was also Captain America before he was Skeletor. <laughs> but yes, I know him very well. Don't mess with Jared. <laughs> uh, He's got the in with Skeletor. <laughs> Pro wrestler Skeletor. Uh, but, <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> oh, my word. So, um, you know, I have all these great memories from my youth. Maybe not my young youth, but definitely my teenage years. And, you know, I, I've just continued to to watch wrestling. Or one thing I do is, uh, you know, some sometimes I don't have the chance to watch it. But there's a website I go to uh, called 411 Mania. And that's where I've always gotten my wrestling information for, like, I think longer than I've known my wife. Uh, so that's, it's just this site that's still ongoing that has all the late breaking news and the columns and TV reviews. So I I still stay up to date, even if I can't watch it. Um, and even like Chris, like I, I would come in and out and I remember that Chikara show up in Maine because you know, that's where we saw Sarah Del Rey for the first time. We saw the handsome and mysterious stranger. I mean, heck we saw the Jacksons wrestle who are now, you know, big, big promoters in AEW. Uh, we, saw, Bucks. You, yeah, we saw we the saw Young Bucks wrestle. At the Strive Center. Yeah. Wow. I don't even think that that place exists anymore. We we even went to that Chuck E. Cheese beforehand. We were the oldest people playing the games in that Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> that is no longer in business. <laughs> so That's right. We went to Chuck E. Cheese and had pizza before the wrestling event. Greasy, super greasy pizza. And then we got those cards. And I think I still have mine, like the certified firefighter card. Yeah, we got our uh, picture IDs. It was great. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. 
So yeah, I mean, the the moral of the story is just, you know, the, the I had all these moments from my youth, and then I it's just I always have good memories when it comes to wrestling, and even now, like you know, my my daughters, um, they they will ask to wrestle me, um, and just you know, we I taught them how to do the test of strength recently, including the having the hands up in the air and then slamming the hands down and going, Arr! so my three year old goes. Arr! <laughs> And then, you know, I, I, I go with it because it's just, you know, they're having fun. I'm having fun. It's it's great memory building. And then you put her into the figure four leg lock and broke one of her legs. And that's when it all ended. Right. And then, you know, it's it, I have to wait six months for her big comeback to, like, take me out at a very big moment. Like when I'm trying to do my final in, in my next college class. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, I'll throw in my story. Um, I grew up like in the middle of Hulkamania, like in rock and wrestling. Uh, and I was exactly the right age of like seven during rock and wrestling. So all of that was big. I remember the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase having his belt made and something about that just really resonated with me. So it was exactly the same kind of thing you were talking about, Chris, where like I would watch like a pay-per-view from a year and a half earlier just to make sure I could still kind of follow along with what was happening with Ted DiBiase for whatever reason. Uh, I still remember when he had Andre the Giant win the world championship and then buy it off of him. Uh, <laughs> which which I thought was amazing because it was the 80s and capitalism was great. <laughs> well, of um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then for whatever reason, as I got a little bit older, right around like maybe the second Royal Rumble, I sort of fell, not necessarily out of love, but just stopped watching and had other things to do and stopped paying attention. And then in college, I dated a lovely young lady, and we had bonded over music. Like, four hours a day, we would just talk about music. And then at some point, she was like, you know what? You're a really cool dude and all, but we've talked about all of the music that's ever been recorded. So <laughs> you have a choice now. You either need to learn about Buffy the Vampire Slayer or professional wrestling. And I was like, I don't know. And then she <laughs> called me up one day. She was like, you said you used to watch pro wrestling as a kid, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, I used to watch as a kid. She was like, what's the name Hulk Hogan mean to you? And I was like, what? And she was like, Hulk Hogan's back. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then she called up like the next week and she was like, yeah, yeah you, you said you used to watch like a little bit of WCW and like NWA, right? Like as a little kid. I was like, yeah. She was like, oh, Ric Flair is back. And I was like, well... I guess I'll, it's not Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I guess let me see. And then it just got its teeth in me from the pure pageantry and theatrics. Um, as a person that loves nothing more than like talking to a crowd of people, to watch someone talk to a crowd of 14,000 people in the round is just something to see, to watch anyone, whether they're good or bad at it, just take that shot of trying to just connect with, you know, the people. It's beyond the joke that a comedian tells. They're like, well, I'm just trying to get to the cheap seats. No, wrestlers are trying to get to the cheap seats. And f there's always been something about that that I've just thought's been stunning. And then I listened to you guys talk about Chikara, so it made me start looking up like independent pro wrestling. And I will tell you, if you're out there and you're like, hey, I'd like to see just really weird wrestling. I don't want to see 14,000 people. I want to see 35 people in a brewery in Des Moines, but I want to watch it from my house. 
there is something called Independent Pro Wrestling TV, which is one of um, entirely too many streaming services that are available. It's but a for great ten, one, though. It's a it, really good mm-hmm. one. It is super fantastic. It's $10 a month, and it lets you watch a ton of these like weird indie shows that are everywhere, and it helps you. Wrestling has many different like styles and versions. Um, there's hardcore. You were talking about Mick Foley earlier. This is just a man that was like, hey, why don't I wrap my entire right arm in barbed wire? And I'm going to hit you with that a few times. And then, oh, that isn't good enough. How about I pour gasoline on it and light my entire right arm on fire? And I'm just going to be flaming arm, dude. Um, And that's a thing. And some people do, you know, like light tubes and stuff. Like, Jared, when you were telling your story and you were like, oh, they had mattresses down. I was like, oh, my God, this is the story where Jared Hunnefeld tells me about the time he maimed a guy with a with a, a, a light tube. No, we, um, we never went that far. I think... The worst we did was uh, we made kind of makeshift tables and, oh, we, we uh, used cookie sheets. That's the big one. We would hit each other in the head with cookie sheets. <laughs> That's good. I know at one point I was moving a friend and like another friend of ours was like, Bruce, you watch wrestling, right? I was like, yeah, are you going to sit here and just like, are you going to remind me it's fake? And he was like, no, 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 not at all. Ever wanted to waffle a guy with a chair? I was like, yeah, I have. He was like, well, I've always wondered what it would be like to be waffled with a chair. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. Like, let's be safe. Don't hit me in the head. Don't turn it sideways. But feel free to just waffle me in the back with this chair because I just want to know what this is like. And I was like, you win, man. And I waffled him with a chair, and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> not the way I would spend a Saturday night myself, but, uh, you know, everybody's got their thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was shocked. He was like, you know, not as bad as I thought. He was like, surface area. Brilliant. I was like, I know, right? It looked terrible. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, I'm fine. Let's go get his, uh, you know, chest of drawers and bring it down. I was like, okay, cool. And like, we were out. Yeah, just let me let, okay. let me know if you ever want to do it again. You know, no pressure, no pressure. Yeah. I mean, if, if the day ever comes, you, you, that needs to be a thing. Uh, I'm your man. <laughs> Well, if the story ends with everybody being okay, then it's an okay story. Then Absolutely. Uh, that's fine. Ab- absolutely. But yeah, watching like the new stuff and some of the things even that you guys posted where you would see like there are wrestling outfits now that they've decided rather than like WWE, who's still kind of pretending it's real. And we'll talk about sort of the concepts of that in a minute is some wrestling groups are like, hey, we are a comic book. So why are we wasting our time like pretending that this is super real. How about I'm going to punch my arm through this door and then on the other side of the room, my arm is going to pop out and slap a dude around and then I'm going to pull it back because we're using cartoon physics. That's right. The mysterious and handsome stranger, I believe, pulled that move. Uh, it was a glorious moment. That whole run with uh, him was great. He was fantastic. Um, he, he's one of the best comic wrestlers and he wrote some of the best comedy stuff when he was a writer for wwe and and, uh, uh, and uh, also uh i think the example i think of when you mentioned that is the one that's been going around in the last six months or so uh the match between the invisible man versus his <laughs> evil twin brother invisible stan and yes it is referee bryce remsburg uh, who is probably the greatest referee of all time. And he proves it in this match. He proves how important referees are to a performance because there is no physical person in the ring at any time during this match. But between his sort of acting and behavior and the entire crowd buying into it, 
You sit there and watch nobody wrestle for about eight minutes, and it is one of the best matches I've ever seen. Uh, if you want to talk about, you know, a crowd role-playing and getting into it, that's a fantastic example of that. Yeah, I've seen that one. It is super amazing, because it is, yeah, it is one dude doing silent theater, and he gets, like, three light cues to help him. Because there's one point where he's, he can't be near the action. He has to, things have gone crazy all the invisible people have gone in the crowd. So they've had to use like the light to show the crowd of people where the wrestlers are and they're moving out of the way. They're parting like the Red Sea because they're like, oh no, we have to get out of the way because that's how bought in everyone is. And then they like climb upstairs and all of this is done with a silent spotlight and one dude. And then for the big finish, there's like a false prop that is unbelievable. And when you look at it in the end, you're like, I, I don't. This is why wrestling's great. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, uh, GCW, I believe. If, if you're looking that one up on YouTube, and it is definitely there. Um, uh, Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. So let's cover one question. We've talked about it a little bit, but I just want to face it directly. Uh, because everyone has to when you do one of these. We're actually talking about it ahead of time. You have to answer this question every time, which is people say, wrestling's fake, right? Uh, kind of. How, do, how <laughs> do you handle that that question? Jared, let me start with you, because you have the most actual gra- grappling experience. You've got the most graps under your belt. <laughs> um, uh, y- yeah, Here, here's how. here's what I would say. I would say, how dare you, uh, first. <laughs> and then second, um, I, I, as I said, I did backyard. I, I lived mostly health healthy uh, since those days. Uh, but there was a time that I did train to be a pro wrestler. And one of the times I was underage. I should not have been training yet. I was not 18. Uh, but I went anyway. And one of the local uh, wrestlers had wrestled for many years, many years. And he, uh, he was like, Oh, you know, do you want to take a chop? And I was like, sure. You know, I, you always see in wrestling, you're like, Oh, those guys can take it. It can't be that hard. They, they must pull their hand at the last moment. So he, he, he kind of held, held my chest with one hand, lifted my shirt up and then put his other hand way above his head and came down as hard as he could right around where my heart was and I swear, <laughs> I felt all the wind come out of my lungs. And I looked down, and I had a giant handprint across my heart from where he had hit me with so much force. Now, it was probably the most painful thing that's ever happened to me. So, yeah, I, don't, I would not call wrestling fake uh, because it is, it, you need to be really tough to handle the wear and tear that happens on your body on a nightly basis Uh, for, you know, on the average of like 14 minutes of work, uh, they go through a grueling amount of pain to, uh, to, to do that. Now, Chris, do you have a, a answer that varies at all from what Jared said? Like when you talk to people about it, you know, one of the things I, I think about when, when this question comes up and it does from time to time is how great it is that wrestling is quote-unquote fake. That is a story, that is theater, that is predetermined. Because now that more and more people are bought into that, like, you, if you go to a WWE show, 
I would say probably 95% of that crowd. There's still a few here and there, you, you know, but, yeah. uh, uh, you know, gets it right. They get that it's theater. They get that it's, uh, it's predetermined, but the organizations that have really embraced, as we talked about earlier with that invisible man match and things like that, the predetermined nature of it have been able, have been able to push it in really new and fresh directions that we haven't seen yet. Um, and have been able to tell stories that we haven't seen yet. And isn't it great that there's enough buy-in, there's, there's not this need to quote-unquote protect the business, as they used to say, um, and not do certain things because they'd be quote-unquote unrealistic, right? That we are now getting more, better quality stories, more different things out there, uh, and people trying things, and, and, and frankly, a, a more diverse uh, rosters out there as well, um, because this old-school mentality is going away. So, uh, so if somebody asked me, you know, hey, you know, that stuff's fake, and I was like, yeah, and, and isn't it great that it is? I can definitely see that. For me, what I normally do is I kind of add what Jared has said, like, you know, it's, it's hard physical work with uh, The Avengers is fake, too. Do you remember when you saw The Avengers and you cried a whole bunch at that one point? Do you know nothing bad really happened to anybody? that all that was was writing and performance. <laughs> so, like, right. it's the same deal. It, it, it's exactly the same thing. You buy in, you get invested, you love a character. When things good or bad happen to those characters, you're along for that ride. You're not mm -hmm. worried about, like, I don't need to know that the actor got hurt. That doesn't do anything. I don't want the actor to get hurt. I specifically do not want to see a day where one of my favorite actors, like, got hurt on set because no. they needed to to make the stunts look real. Exactly. That was the problem with Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, right? <laughs> yeah. He was like, hey, I'm Spider-Man. Like, okay, well, let's just slam you against a wall. How about now? And you're like, I'm not Spider-Man anymore. I'm totally not. Oh, I heard you are. You're still in the suit. And then you get slammed against another wall. <laughs> um. So I think there's no reason to knock that sort of thing. I also just want to go back to mention another one of like the most ridiculous matches that anyone's ever heard of, uh, which is, and I believe you can find this under YouTube under the greatest wrestling finisher ever, which in wrestling yes. you fight, 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 and then you do what's called your finishing move, and this is how the world ends and you win. This is your fatality if you played Mortal Kombat. This is your 99-hit combo if you played Street Fighter. Uh, and there's one with Ophidian, who Ophidian. I believe, who Friend I believe flipped the table. At least we're still saying that Ophidian. Yes. Uh, and he puts a spell on everyone in the ring. He gets pulled up by another guy to like mid height straddling a dude. You got to see it to like see how the move actually works. And then he puts everyone in the ring Mass under hypnosis. a trance. Massive yeah, because he's a snake. He's a snake yeah. guy. <laughs> so everyone goes into a trance and then all of a sudden like 80s hip hop starts to play <laughs> and everyone breaks into a straight up breakdance battle for what is it maybe four minutes at least yes yeah it's glorious and, and the crowd goes crazy and the crowd's like oh we live here now Let's get into the dance battle. And then just as you're like, you know what? Maybe this whole thing's going to change. Maybe it's just a dance battle and we're not watching wrestling anymore. 
uh, the whole trance gets broken. Everyone snaps out of it, and there's a pin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, the the it's now to the point to where wrestling can enter the absurd. Wrestling, I don't think, has quite gone, like, full, like, Dadaist yet, where just nothing makes any sense at all, and there's no frame of reference. But it's gotten real avant-garde lately <laughs> in the best possible way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Without question. Time travel is a thing sometimes. Uh, the, don't forget the uh, the fake grenade that Chuck Taylor threw into the ring and then blew everyone outside the ring. Yeah. Right. It was an invisible grenade. Nobody right. could see it, but nope. it definitely had a concussive effect on uh, everybody in the ring. <laughs> Uh, yeah, another one I love to mention is exactly what you're talking about with time travel, which was, I believe, now help me out, guys, because you're going to know the lore of this better <laughs> than I will, I think. Because it was like Chikara, for some reason, had to end, didn't it? Yes, yes. This was um, around 2012-ish or so. There was They tried a really uh, sort of out-there storyline, because they wanted to do something really different, where they, again, wanted to blur that line between uh, sort of reality and, and fantasy, uh, where at the end of the season of wrestling, because this is an organization that operates in seasons, then they have an off-season, their big season finale was the whole organization gets shut down. Um, and as a result of that, they shut down the website, they stopped running promotions, they had all these like little satellite promotions, which were supposedly like just places where the wrestlers went to pick up bookings because there was nowhere to go. Like They went deep into this uh, shared fiction uh, of wrestling, uh, which all culminated in National Pro Wrestling Day uh, about a year, year and a half later, where a wrestler time-traveled there to save the day in a DeLorean which pulled up outside and made everything all better again. I mean, like, grab a hold of that, folks. The DeLorean shows up... (laughs) With a random wrestler who's like, oh, I heard you were in a match through the time stream. And they planted well, the seeds like a year in advance, right? With Kingston. Yes. They, they well, no, no. And they, they resolve that because the wrestler who came back to save the day, um, he, they, the, the move was the back fist to the future or something like that. Right. That's Kingston's finishing <laughs> that's move. That's fist to the future. And then so they, they had him hit it to someone like later after they'd come back to finish, the, to loop that storyline that, oh, w- he got hit by it and the lights go out. When the lights come back on, he's gone because he got sent back <laughs> to, to days before Pro, Natural Pro Wrestling Day so he could go save the day. So he got stuck literally in a time loop. I mean, that's how deep that rabbit hole goes. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to pull up and go, hey, I'm here to save the day, and wrestling's back! <laughs> like, how amazing is that? Yeah, I mean, so, you uh, don't really see it in any other median. Like, that That sort of... Uh, and specifically, like, they also had to make sure the fans were into it, and the fans just were going nuts over this. I, I remember, I think we watched that that live at your house, Chris, and I remember oh, that scene, that and great. it was just like, oh my gosh, like, we were freaking out. I think all the fans were on their feet screaming and freaking out. It was just, it was a fantastic moment, and that's really what wrestling is. It's a, it's a series of moments that can just draw people in. One more group of wrestling story. You can cut this if we're running out of time, but I gotta... Oh, no, not at all. By all means. Um, uh, Dice Tower Con few years ago this is in the last two years of flip the table 
Uh, Jared, myself, uh, Professor Laser Books, are staying in a room with uh, Chaz Marler, our dear friend. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's 6 o'clock in the morning on day three of the convention. So we're all kind of loopy already. And Jared walks in and says, I have to play you this. I can't explain it to you. Uh, and Jared, I'm going to let you kind of take this oh, over. Y- it's funny because I literally realized what you were referencing. Yeah, it was like I had found this right before I went to bed the other night. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this happened. And then I, and then I went to bed. And when I woke up, I got up right at 6 o'clock. You know, Professor Laser Books was making breakfast, I think, and Chaz was doing his thing. And I just like marched in with my laptop, went right to the TV. And I think, Chris, you were like, Jared, what are you doing? I was like, guys, I can't explain this. I'm just going to put it on and we're watching this. (laughs) And it was the broken Matt Hardy wrestling match. It had just aired that night with Matt Hardy versus Brother Nero on the wrestling compound. And for those that don't know, they, they are two real-life brothers, but in storyline fiction, uh, one brother had gone just completely insane. He just, he he had, like, put white streaks in his hair. He looked like his hair had been electrocuted. Um, he talked with weird accents he would come in and out of. And... <laughs> Uh, for no reason. And then he said, you know, he's like, he kept calling his brother, brother Nero. And he, he was like, brother Nero, come, come to my abode uh, and face me. And so they had, they, they took a camera and some of the wrestling crew for, it was impact wrestling. And they just showed this edited wrestling match. That is just like a cinematic. It was like, insane. There's no crowd yeah. there. It, no crowd and like they're wrestling in the ring with each other at one point they get fireworks and start shooting fireworks at each other um there is like somebody transforms yeah in the middle there, of it? There, there was a magic lake that was like the lake of reincarnation and he threw him into that lake and then he came back as a younger version of himself um <laughs> and then continued to wrestle and it just uh, it, it was insane the lengths they went to it was essentially a hardcore match but it was so heavily edited it was like a work of uh of like uh independent filmmaking it was amazing yeah but none of that matters because it's all fake right exactly exactly because because i remember one of my favorite moments in that was uh one of the brothers grabs roman candles Mm-hmm. And starts firing Roman candles, to which the other brother goes, "Thank goodness, there's a dilapidated boat," <laughs> and jumps into a dilapidated boat to hide from the direct shots of uh, Roman candle fire. Well, that part so, that part made me laugh, and you know, I know this this is a family friendly show, right? Family friendlyish. Okay. So, so I remember the scene like you have uh, Matt Hardy going up to Jeff and me like, "Oh, I'm gonna get you!" And like he's talking his weird accent, and then he sees his brother take out all the Roman candles, and you just hear him go, "Oh, bleep!" And then gets behind <laughs> that boat. <laughs> and we I, I were laughing remember. so hard the rest of the convention. I think quoting that behind closed doors. <laughs> Poor Chaz is like stuck in a room with this. Like he's a he's a good man for putting up with that. Laser Books is used to our annex, but uh Not so much Chaz Marler. <laughs> he he was he was a good sport. He was cool. Oh yeah. Cause if I remember, I think that was the same uh Dice Tower con that Rocky and I went to. Yes. I sure think was. we were sitting there play, playing maybe like the real Ghostbusters game. Mm-hmm. 
And Rocky kind of said, like, yeah, I heard something happened with the Hardy Boys and some kind of thing we have to see. And you guys were like, oh, no, we have to stop right now. <laughs> you have to see this. Because I think it was you guys who showed it to us. Because I was like, oh, yeah, whenever I get a chance, I'll stop. And they're like, oh, no, you're going to get a chance. Yeah, I, I think I pulled my phone out. I was like, no, 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 no. You need to watch this right now. And we did. This we game we is saw play. I, I think we might have called it at that point. And that just shows you just like how involved you can get in the, in in wrestling as a storyline because it allows you and it allows a character to exist for years and years and years in different incarnations and in different runs with different looks with different styles with different and it's something that I think the only other art form you might be able to see that in is maybe comic books. Yeah, comic books. The the only other way I can really think about it is uh, actors. Is you know you you start out as like a Shakespearean actor, like um, uh, Sir Ian McClellan, uh, it, and you you know Shakespearean actor, and then you move into uh, you know like science fiction roles, and then you move into uh, maybe horror. Like you you kind of end your career as like a horror actor, you know just. That's the that's the other way to look at it is just not so much you're still an actor you still have your craft but you're doing different art forms and that's kind of like with wrestling is you have these wrestlers that find different characters different wrestling styles to help reinvent themselves to prolong their careers so they don't get stale. And I think we're going to tie a bow on this at the very end uh, by. If you're out there and you're still listening, one, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Good for two, you. Yeah, for real, though. Uh, and if you aren't already sold on pro wrestling, I just want to give you, and I think we each should do this, is just give you something we think you should watch that might be our appeal to you on why we think it, this is an art form worth your time. Uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to start this one off just because oh I, ha I yeah. have the note in front of me. Uh, there is a YouTube video from years ago from really just a regrettable human being. So don't look into the person that made it, but it's called <laughs> wrestling isn't wrestling and it's 24 minutes long and it follows the career of one triple H and it shows you that this one character over like 16 years has one thread running through everything he did for every step he took, for every major plot line, there was very clearly a way you could tie it all together into like a 14-year story arc of this one dude. Also, another thing I think is really cool is that, of course, wrestling, up until very recently, is like super pro-masculine. Um, usually it's played that way. So this entire video is gender-swapped, which I think does a lot to kind of bring you in. Um, I think it's a really neat thing to do uh, for a video that talks about pro wrestling the way it does because it's talking about a lot of the like super male characters that have run throughout pro wrestling because uh, Triple H is right in the middle of the Attitude Era, uh, which like is is probably the most testosterone fueled period of major pro wrestling that there has potentially ever been. So to see the story done with gender-swapped characters, also, if you happen to be a wrestling fan, a lot of like pro and indie wrestlers that you're going to know as you watch it, where you're like, oh, I know who that woman is. Oh, it's that guy, uh, which is kind of a neat thing to see, but it does a great job of explaining to someone that doesn't know anything about wrestling why this art form is so cool and what this art form can do over time. 
So I'm going to move to you, Chris. If there's one thing that you would push people to watch, maybe that we haven't mentioned, what might that be? So I'll give you something nice and short. You know, a, a thing, uh, we'll call it an hors d'oeuvre, if you will. And it, it and a will likely send you down a, a pretty amazing uh, rabbit hole. Uh, and I'm just going to give you the title of the YouTube video if you want to search it. Or maybe we can link it in the, in the show notes for this episode. Uh, I'm sure we can. Go to YouTube, search for Archibald Peck and Chuck Taylor pose for the cameras. Once again, Archibald Peck and Chuck Taylor pose for the cameras. Uh, it is 2 minutes and 38 seconds long, and it is a moment that happens outside the ring. Uh, when wrestlers are brawling on the outside, they have a count of 10 or 20, depending on the organization, to get back in before they're disqualified. Uh, and something happens that kind of stops that count that is particularly funny. You will finish this video, you will be laughing your face off, and you will probably let some videos autoplay after that uh, to see what else is going on. I think that's a good way to sort of see some of the kind of weird different stuff that we've been talking about. And then finally, to send us off, Jared, if you have one thing that all of us haven't mentioned through all of this, what would be the one piece of content you would suggest that someone go check out? Um, so mine's interesting because mine is not like a match or a promotion itself. Mine's a comedy movie that came out in 2007 called Kayfabe. Um, it's about a promotion called the Tri-City International Championship Wrestling Federation. Um, and they're an indie promotion that is closing down. And it's just, it's almost like a mockumentary with uh, these, this camera crew following this promotion in its final like three or four shows before they shut down. And just what it's like to be a wrestler, to what it's like to the behind the scenes, what it's like to put on a match, kind of like the, the behind of how things are created from a uh, kind of a garbage pro indie promotion. Um, and it is, it is just an utter riot. Um, I, whether you're a fan of wrestling or you're just a fan of movies, you will find this movie funny in one way or another. Oh, I need to check that out. Yeah. Um, there's, so um, we'll make sure we put in the show notes, the trailer on YouTube for it. It is wicked funny. And then one thing I want to do real quick, because I would love to do a future episode where we kind of talk about like terms that are used in wrestling and how you can use them in your life. Because uh, there are certain things in pro wrestling that I've found that like I have to explain to people to use as a shorthand later. But you mentioned kayfabe because that's the name of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, like, real quick, explain what kayfabe is. Uh, kayfabe is a carny term, uh, which literally means uh, the suspension of disbelief. So it's it's sort of that moment that we talk about of getting involved. Uh, so kayfabe is just a term of uh, kind of just believing in the magic. So it's kind of like the, the kayfabe of, uh, I mean, I think you were talking about this earlier, like with marketing, uh, it, it is a thing I use in marketing constantly when I'm talking to people of, you know, you're, uh, you're trying to tell something without showing all the nooks and crannies behind it. And you want to keep those parts hidden. That's kayfabe. And often I would say, if you're at work and you have a difficult task, but you have someone above you that needs to know how that task is going, you will often say, oh, don't worry, it's fine, it'll be done on time. Uh, that is kayfabe. Because you know, it's not, it, things are not going well. 
but you can't tell that person above you. And the person above you, honest to goodness, probably knows it's all bad anyway. But they're not going to push any further because they want to hear things are fine. So there's that need to just say like, oh, no, Tom, it, uh, uh, next week, week after at the latest. When everyone that you're working with is like, what are you talking about? It's going to take six months to build that. What do you mean n- this week, next week? No, six months, Bruce, six months, Tom, one week, two weeks max. <laughs> <laughs> and For that the same reason you didn't see uh, Hulk Hogan riding in the same car as uh, the Iron Sheik in the 80s, you also tell your boss that you'll be done in, in two weeks max. <laughs> exactly. And that we have to keep it up that way. And then he tells us, hey, uh, how's that looking? Oh, you know, week and a half. Week and a half, probably good. And exactly the same way, yes. In the same way that the Iron Sheik and Hulk Hogan should not be driving together. Because crowds do not want to know that. Tom does not want to know this is going to take six months. <laughs> <laughs> And I think with that, we can safely sign off here on Inverse Genius. Uh, You're already listening to the show. Tell other people about it. Tell them about the Twitter at Inverse Genius and all the other great shows in the Inverse Genius Network. Uh, I want to thank both of you for taking the time to join me. Uh, Your moderator, Chris. Hey. Hi. Hi. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for everything you have done and for taking the time to come on this particular show here. Absolutely and, my pleasure. And, and to talk about wrestling, too, which is fun. I know. And professional wrestling expert and our Sherpa through this show, Jared Hunnefeld. Ooh, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, wait. can We, we can't product place, can we? We sure as heck can. All right. You place Eat all the products Slim you want. Eat those 1-800-COLLECT. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, beef or Sacra two. <laughs> Where's the beef? We'll get some IcoPro. <laughs> and everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.